name's Josh, one of the pastors here. And Rod and I work together well in so many ways, except for having the mic stand the right height. Uh, I want to ask you a question this morning. Uh, when you strip everything away, uh, when you reflect on and think properly about yourself, when, you're trying to give, when you give an answer that you're not trying to give the godly answer or what you think you should say is the right answer, and if, you're, if you were not to be scared about anyone else judging your answer, what is the deep desire of your life? Have a think about it. Don't say it out loud. The person next to you might actually judge you. No, we'd never do that. We'd never do that. What is the deep desire of your life? I reckon for most of us, it's got to be happiness, right? We, we all want to be happy. We want to have lives that are full of joy. We want a life where we can say, wow, I'm just so thankful for my life. Not, man, I wish that things were different, right? Is that you? Uh, someone once said that happiness is the motive of every action, of every person, always. Do you reckon that's true? Or close? I reckon it sums me up pretty well. Uh, and if you're honest, I reckon it probably does for you too. And yet when you ask people, when you say, how are you going? You'd be like, how, how are you really going? Uh, most people will say, I'm not that great. Or maybe the best you can hope for is that someone will say, I'm not bad, but happy, full of joy, full of thanks. I don't hear that a lot. Do you? This morning we're going to see that God intends for you joy and thankfulness, but it comes in a surprising way. And the more amazing truth that we're going to see is that this joy and thankfulness is really just a byproduct of something that's far greater. It's incredible. And so it's great that you're here this morning, uh, whether it's your first time or whether you've been here your whole life, uh, because this is what Philippians verse 1 to 11 illustrates for us. Uh, we get an insight into a guy, into a, a personal letter, I don't know if you noticed as you read it, it's very personal, from a mature Christian man who overflows with joy and thankfulness. Uh, just have a skim through with me, have your Bibles open, uh, have a look at the language that Paul uses in this, at the start of this letter. Verse 3, I Thank my God in all my remembrance. Verse 4, always, in every prayer, making my prayer with joy. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way. I hold you in my heart. Verse 8, I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Striking, isn't it? A man filled with deep joy and thankfulness. And yet it's even more striking when you understand Paul's situation. Paul's writing this letter from prison, most likely in Rome, where he's been wrongfully imprisoned, and it's likely that he spent his days just being chained from one guard to the next. That is his life. Away from his loved ones, they would have blocked his Netflix account, and even worse than that, Paul had been told directly by God that his job was to take the gospel out to the nations, and yet now he can't step, set a foot outside. If you were Paul and you were writing a letter to your friends, which is what he's doing in Philippians, how would you start your letter if that was you? I'm filled with thankfulness. I get to pray with joy always in all my prayers. Probably not. So what causes Paul such great joy and 
thankfulness and deep affection while his chains were guarded in Rome? Well, let's see. Let's get stuck in. Point one, gospel partnership. Now, let me just say at the start, point one is a lot longer than the rest. And so when we get to the end of point one, don't freak out. It's okay. Gospel partnership. Have a look at verse three. Verse three. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Firstly, notice that Paul's joy and thankfulness comes from people. It's you, all of you, the Philippians, that cause him thankfulness. Uh, Now, this is immediately a massive rebuke to me, that as you notice Paul's letters, he almost always gives thanks for people, not things. Uh, If we got a list of all the things that you thank God for this week, first, I expect we might be ashamed of how short it is. But secondly, if anything like me, I reckon it'd mostly be filled with things or, or things that happened to me, really, not so much people. Not so with the Apostle Paul. He's thankful for people. But actually, it's not just that he's thankful in general for the Philippians. Have a look at verse 5 again. Making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Paul's joy comes from partnering with the Philippians in the gospel. It says it again, verse 7. Have a look at verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for... You are all partakers with me of grace. Again, this is a different way of saying the same thing. Partnership in the gospel. Partnership in the gospel is the thing that brings Paul deep joy, deep thankfulness, deep affection. So what is it? What is partnership in the gospel? Well, you could say that it's that they have the same thing in common. They're both Christians. They're both partakers of grace. They've both been saved. I reckon that's what we tend to think of when we use the word fellowship, which is actually the same word as partnership. The word can be translated either way, fellowship or partnership. Uh, we think, well, we have the same thing in common, and so us belonging, being together in any way or kind of doing anything together, that's fellowship, right? That's partnership. Uh, if we have tea together after church, then we're doing fellowship. Uh, if I have a warm friendship with another person, I'm doing fellowship with them. That's not what Paul has in mind here. He's not talking about a passive thing, For Paul, partnership in the gospel is much more than that. It's active. Partnership is striving together for the same cause. Partnership is striving together for the same cause. And that cause is the advancement of the gospel. The cause and the advancement of the gospel. See, how are the Philippians active partners with Paul in the gospel? Have a look at verse 7 again. For you are all partakers with me of grace... Now, if you end the sentence there, you could rightly think he's meaning just being Christians, but he goes on. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. The Philippians are partnering with Paul in his imprisonment, and they're partnering with him as they proclaim the gospel, both defending it and confirming it. They are active partners, striving together for the cause of the gospel. And this is the thing you see right throughout Philippians. Let's just skim a little bit of Philippians. Have a look with me. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 19. This is all the ways that the Philippians partner with Paul. 119. For I know that through your prayers, the Philippians pray for Paul in partnership with him. 129. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for this sake. 
They're partners with Paul as he suffers for the gospel. Chapter 2, verse 25, have a look there. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. The Philippians, they originally sent this guy, Epaphroditus, to Paul to support him in prison. Uh, look at verse 27 says that he nearly died doing it, putting his life on the line to support Paul personally as the kind of church's representative while he's in prison. Uh, flick over chapter 4, verse 15. You Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit I've received full payment and more I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent they partnered with Paul in gifts and money over a long period of time this is gospel partnership actively striving together for the cause of the gospel. And did you notice that it can be all kinds of different things? You don't have to be a particular kind of person who's good at doing one particular kind of thing to be involved in gospel partnership. The Philippians prayed, they preached, they suffered, they sent, they gave, and that's kind of not the exhaustive list. You can be involved in the joy of gospel partnership in all kinds of ways. And it is a great joy to see heaps of people in our church doing it. It's a great blessing and joy. There's examples all over the place. You could kind of pick anything. But let me choose one example, which is our life course. If you haven't heard of it, we're going to get there in a bit. You should definitely come. But at life, we rely on pretty much our whole church partnering together in the gospel to pull it off. Right? So we have a whole bunch of people who partner in praying for it. Lots of you partner by inviting friends and family along. Uh, Some of you partner by sitting on tables and facilitating discussion. Some people partner by bringing food and making it a nice space. Some people make coffees, someone emcees, someone preaches, and then others of you follow up with the people once they're finished. It's a whole bunch of different people doing various things using their gifts and resources God has given them to partner together for one cause, the cause of the gospel. It's beautiful, and it's a great joy to be part of. You'll know. Many of you have partnered in it. Are you involved in gospel partnership with people in our congregation, with people in our wider church, with people around the world, in whatever way you can for the cause and advancement of the gospel? So much you could do. Are you involved in active gospel partnership? Paul says... It'll bring you great joy, profound thankfulness, and a deep relationship with others. But did you notice the super weird thing as we read about Paul's gospel partnership with the Philippians? See, this is Paul. He's giving kind of expressive and deep affectionate thanks because the Philippians have partnered with him in money, prayer, Epaphroditus, the gospel suffering, and a whole bunch of stuff. And yet... He never thanks the Philippians. This is kind of weird, at least in this bit. He thanks someone else. It's a little bit like being really thankful for kind of having life and going, Mum, your mum was pregnant and gave birth and then raised you and didn't sleep and went through all the effort. And you go, I am so thankful, Dad, 
Yeah, like, this doesn't make sense. Who are you thanking? After everything the Philippians have done, who does Paul thank? Verse 3, I thank my God. Why? Why does he do that? Verse 6, I am sure of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a profound truth. God is at work in you from beginning to end. In fact, so much so that Paul thanks God, not the Philippians, when the Philippians partner with him in gospel work. Isn't that amazing? But at first, I reckon it just seems kind of slack. It just seems like God's kind of taking the credit for all the stuff that the Philippians are doing. Can you get that sense? But really, this is one of the best truths in the universe. Why? Because if it was up to you to become a Christian, you would never, ever be one. If it were up to you to keep going as a Christian, you'd give up straight away. If it were up to you to remain a Christian on the day when Jesus returns, you would never, ever make it. And you'd never be able to know for sure if you're going to be saved when Jesus comes back. Is he coming back to punish me or to pour out his love on me? There's no way of knowing. But the amazing truth is that you can know. You can be certain. You can be certain that you are a Christian. You can be certain that you'll keep going as a Christian. You can know that you'll make it to the end. Why? Because God has worked in you from the beginning. And it's God who's at work in you every moment of every day of every year for your entire life. God is at work in you. When God starts something, he finishes it. And so Paul says to the Philippians, God has been at work in you since the very beginning. Let's have a quick flick back to the very beginning of the Philippian church. Uh, Open up to Acts chapter 16 with me. This is the account of Paul's uh, encounter with the Philippian church. It's going to be left in your Bibles a bit. Uh, Page 725 for me. That means nothing for you. Acts chapter 16. 70. 870. It'll be further than 70. Uh, This is Paul when he first arrives in Macedonia. Uh, The gospel's never been here before. Uh, And Paul is in Philippi and he finds a place to pray. And he runs into the first Philippian who will become a Christian. And this is the story. Verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who'd come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The Lord opened her heart to hear and receive the gospel. This is the first Philippian and the first encounter with the gospel. And what happens? God is at work from the very beginning. And Paul says, you can be sure that he will carry on that work to the end. And it's the same for you. You are a Christian if you're a Christian because God began a work in you. And you can know that God will be at work in you until the end. That is a truth to sit in to never move past. You can have confidence in your salvation. That is a beautiful thing. Let me give you an implication at this point about gospel partnership. 
Gospel partnership. See, it changes the nature of your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, It's a right and beautiful truth that we are a family. But see, we're not a family who are just meant to sit around and kind of make each other feel better. We're a family who are also comrades in arms, striving together in a battle, taking up arms for a common cause. Uh, It's like the movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but uh, it's a movie where two spies get married. Uh, but neither of them know that the other person's a spy because they're very good at being spies. Uh, and so they're married and it's, it's kind of nice and they try to be nice to each other, but their relationship it kind of doesn't have any depth. They're just kind of living separate lives, being nice to each other. It's only when they both realise that the other person is a spy and that the companies that employ both of them who are competing each other recognise that they're married to each other and the companies send them to kill each other. And what happens is that they start to work together, they pull out a hundred guns and murder about 400 people who are trying to kill them. It's awesome. And it's only at that point that their relationship becomes fantastic, right? Gospel partnership is a little bit like that. (laughs) I can pull this back. (laughs) We're not just here to be nice to each other and focus on ourselves. We are partners who take up arms together who strive for the cause of the gospel. And it brings a deep bond as we do it, of joy, of thankfulness and affection. It shapes our relationship and makes it way better. Have you ever been on a beach mission before? Or have you ever known someone who's been on a beach mission before? See, it's really funny how someone can go away with a whole bunch of random strangers for 10 days and they come back full of deep affection and joy and thankfulness for people they'd never ever met. Have you ever seen someone do that before? It's mine, but what's going on there? Active partnership in the gospel brings that kind of relationship about as you get deep in the trenches with other gospel workers, other Christians. Incredible. But why? Why is that? Why is it that gospel partnership is the thing that makes Paul joyful, so joyful and thankful? So couldn't there have just easily have just been something else? that Paul could have you know, had the same joy from. It's just that he happened to land on partnership to things that I enjoy, but you know, maybe music's a thing that you enjoy. What if, what if Paul just really liked music? He could have kept singing in prison and could have experienced the same joy and thankfulness. It would have been the same, just a different topic. Point two. Gospel partnership brings Paul such deep joy and thankfulness because the gospel and the cause of the gospel is the most important thing in his world and it's the most important thing in God's world. You don't have to look far to see it on display in Philippians. Have a look at verse 12 with me. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. See, Paul's not upset about being in prison and not even about people trying to make life worse for him while he's in prison. Like, that's crazy. How could that be the case? It's because in those things, the gospel is being advanced. And that is the most important thing to him in his world. An incredible mindset, isn't it? How does he have it? How could you possibly be happy in prison? It's because he's captured by the gospel. Now I've been using the word gospel a lot. What is it? Well, it kind of permeates everything that Paul talks about. Just have a look at the way he greets them, his intro, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the announcement of grace and peace 
to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's walk through it. See, naturally, what we should receive from God to us is judgment and wrath. That's exactly what we deserve from God's hand. See, the Bible describes us as sinners, as those who've rejected God and rejected his rule for our life. We live life our own way, right? We chase our own happiness, don't we? Our own pleasures, no matter the cost, regardless of whatever God has to say about our lives. And to reject the loving and holy one is to also be rejected by him. So he wants to pour out his love on us, but we spit in his face. And so he rightly judges us. He pours out his wrath on us. And so our future is death and hell because we are enemies of God. It's awful. It's serious. It's real. And it really ought be your future. And just sit in that for a second. That really ought be your future. The announcement of the gospel is grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You can receive grace from God, a gift that you don't deserve. You can have peace with God, right relationship with him as friends, not enemies. You can experience his love for eternity in heaven. It is mind-blowing, glorious, beautiful. How? Verse 1. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. The Philippians are saints because they are in Christ Jesus. Because in Jesus, in his death and resurrection, God pours out his judgment and wrath on his own son so that we can have grace and peace with him. What amazing news. That is the beauty of the gospel. And that is why partnership in this gospel is the thing that brings Paul joy and thankfulness. It's why that's the only thing that matters to him. Well, if I'm in prison, so what? The gospel's going forward. That is the big thing that matters in this world. That is something worth being captured by, isn't it? That's something worth giving yourself to. That's something worth taking on the place of the most important thing in your world. And it's something worth exploring more. If you're here and you're someone who doesn't know if you've received grace and peace from God, or if you know that you haven't, we are so glad that you're here. You're in the right place welcome. The gospel is something worth exploring more. See, there's a reason why a lot of the people who are sitting around you think that this is the most important thing in their world. It is something worth exploring more. We've got something starting soon that's going to help you to do that. Uh, It's called Life. We're starting next week, which is a space for you to gather, to hear about what Jesus has to say about life and ask your questions in a safe space. There's a bunch of other people. Uh, Chuck something on your Connect card if you're interested. I'll give you a call this week. Love to see you there. If you have received grace and peace from God, you know how good it is. How good is it? And is the cause of the gospel, is the gospel and the cause of it the most important thing in your world? Are you deep in the trenches of gospel partnership because you're captivated by it? Not out of guilt because you have to, but out of joy. Because when you understand the gospel, how could you not be? Or have you only kind of got one foot in the trenches and you're just testing the waters? Or, or are you not really in the trenches at all? You're just looking on as other people kind of dig the trenches and do the stuff. I like Jesus, but I'm not really involved in that stuff and that's not for me. If you're not, come back and sit in the beauty of the gospel. Be captured by it again 
grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the main game. That's the deeper truth to this passage. See, joy and thankfulness are really just a byproduct. They're a really nice byproduct. I love them, but they're just a byproduct. Those who chase happiness and joy will never find it. But those who give themselves up in partnership in the gospel will have joy, happiness, and thankfulness in abundance. That's not why you do it, though. You do it because you've seen the beauty of the gospel. You've been transformed and received the grace and peace of the gospel. And so you give yourself to the cause of the gospel. And joy and thankfulness and deep affection amongst gospel partners is just a great byproduct. So, the gospel is the most important thing in Paul's world because it brings sinners grace and peace. It causes him to find great joy and thankfulness as he partners with others in it, which leads him to the final thing he does, which is point three. Paul prays for his gospel partners. What should you pray for your gospel partners? What should you pray for yourself? Verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's look quickly at this prayer. He prays that their love would abound more and more. Uh, now, he's not just hoping that they kind of experience more warm fuzzies and that's kind of the love. No, he prays that their love will grow in knowledge. Now, those are two things we don't normally expect to put together, do we? We kind of think you can experience love or you can be the nerd who knows stuff. It's, the Bible puts them together. Why? Paul prays that their love would grow in knowledge so that they can discern what is truly excellent and do that. Paul wants them to know more and more of the things that God loves and then the ability to do it. Why does he pray that? Verse 10. So that they'll be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness through Jesus on the day that Jesus returns. Did you notice that that is something that Paul seems to have already thanked God for in verse 6? He thanked God that he was at work making them ready and bringing them to completion for the day of Jesus. And so we've got this weird question. So do the Philippians not need to worry about growing to be blameless for the last day because God's doing it? Or do they actually need prayer from Paul from it because they do need to do it? See? Well, yes and yes. Yes, Paul thanks God that he is at work in them doing this. But does that mean that the Philippians should sit back and just not do anything because God's at work? No way. God's at work in them, which is meant to encourage them to keep going and keep growing in godliness, not to stop. Paul prays that they would grow to be blameless on the day of Christ, knowing that they will, because God is at work in them. Do you see? And all of this leads to the ultimate end point of his prayer, which is really the ultimate end point of all things, which isn't our joy or our happiness, but God's glory and his praise. What a thing to pray for our gospel partners. Praise God. Our world is chasing joy, happiness, and a life of thankfulness, and God intends for you to have it, but not because it's the main game. You'll get it, and so much more, as you receive the grace and peace of, in the gospel from God the Father by trusting in his Son. 
And as you see the beauty of the gospel and you're captured by it, and so make the cause of the gospel the center of your world. And then you pour yourself out for the work of the gospel in partnership with your brothers and sisters who are doing exactly the same thing. And so you'll pray for your gospel partners who are doing it with you as you stand side by side with them, all for the glory and praise of God. Shall I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you so much for the gospel, that we are by nature sinners who deserve your wrath, death, hell, who are enemies with you. We deserve nothing good from your hand, and yet you want to give us everything. Thank you that you give us grace and peace through your Son. Father, help us to see the beauty of that truth. Help us to be captured by that truth so much so that we would give ourselves to partnering with others in the cause of the gospel, that we would see the gospel transform our lives and the lives of everyone in our area and around the world. Thank you that we don't have to be a particular kind of person, but we all have gifts and resources that you've given us to partner in this work. And we pray that we would be captured by it and do it. And so enjoy the joy and thankfulness and deep affection that comes as we partner with others. We pray that our love will abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that we may be able to approve what is truly excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the righteousness that comes through Jesus. We pray all these things for God's glory and honour and praise. Amen.